This is Split Decision, and we've got a preview episode here for UFC 245 in Las Vegas, Usman versus Covington. We got the preview episode, and we're going to be going through the main card. This is a pay-per-view that's going to have three title fights on it. Yeah. I mean, end the year on gangbusters, you know? That's how you got to do it. <laughs> so we're going to start with the, uh, the main card. Before we get to the title fights, we've got... Peter Yan versus Uriah Faber. Uh, Faber, of course, being the former WEC champion. Uh, how do you see this one playing out, Pat? It's a real tough tight fight for Faber because he, you know, he, he just recently came back out of retirement against Ricky Simone and got a, I think, a first round KO. But you know, he's such a big name value. He was the biggest guy in the lightweight in the lighter weight divisions, you know, below 155, which the UFC didn't have, I guess, at the time. It was 155 and below. Was, and he was the name that they kind of built those divisions off of. And he was a big name outside of the UFC when it was the WEC. And he was a, a title holder in that uh, that company. And it was, it was a Zufa-owned company as well, the same people, the... Uh, uh, Fertitta Brothers and Dana White, the same people that own the UFC and got it to where it is today. And he was the man. That was the premier title at that point in time. And then, he, you know, the UFC bought the WEC. They brought those divisions in. And so one of the knocks against Faber is, well, he never earned the UFC title. But he had, the like, the WEC title, which is analogous to the UFC title. And so it's exciting to see him back. He got a first-round KO over Ricky Simone. But he, and he was thinking, you know... I'll probably get a title shot or something off of this, but they throw him in there with Peter Yan, a brutal up-and-comer, uh, you know, challenger in the division, and he holds wins over some big names in the division. He beat uh, John Dodson, he beat Jimmy Rivera in impressive fashion. So this is for sure a number one contender's fight. So Faber's getting his wish; he's going to be on the title next, but. This is not a gimme fight for him at all. No, no matter how big of a name value he is, this is a tough fight. And so this, in your view, kind of follows the model of the seasoned veteran against the up-and-comer, right? It does, but this one, to me, has, you know, outside of what we've seen, you know, last weekend we saw Alistair Overeem get knocked out by uh, Jair Yosenstrike in brutal fashion in the last round, you know, four seconds in the last round. But, so... A lot of times we see that that happen, and I pick the guy that I love, the big, the, the grizzled vet who's smarter, and it's a better game plan and better skills, and you usually go for the younger guy, and it doesn't go well for me most times. But this one, for, for some reason, feels different. First off, Faber has never looked like he was out of the game. Even when he left, he was like top four in the division. Came back, beat a young guy super fast, should have beat Faber, but... Faber came out and knocked him out, which he's never done before in his career. He's never been a knockout artist. And to see him come out and get a win in a different way is always fun. And he's coming back against Peter Jan. And like you said, it is that kind of matchup, but Faber feels different than most of those guys. You know. So you think he's got a lot left in the tank then? Yeah, for sure. He just had a daughter, so he's a new father. I think, who knows? But... Peter Yan is also super exciting, and he's got some very awesome wins over some big-name guys. And to see Peter Yan go up there and challenge for the title, I guess he's got to fight Cejudo if Cejudo ever decides to fight again. But that's an interesting fight. I think Cejudo runs through him, but so I would rather see the Faber versus Cejudo fight. But it's still fun. 
moving on to the next fight, and then we'll, of course, get to the title fights, but we've got one more non-title matchup. Uh, it's going to be Marlon Marais going up against Jose Aldo. And this is one where Aldo is actually coming down a weight class. He's going from featherweight to bantamweight, yeah. uh, making his debut at a new weight class. So uh, what can we expect uh, in this one, do you think? I don't know. Because of that kind of weird variable of Jose Aldo dropping a weight class, I have no idea how he's going to look. I don't know if he's going to be quicker, rejuvenated. I don't know if he's going to retain his power at that weight. I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Marais is a tough, tough out for anybody. His last fight was for the vacant title. You know, he fought uh, Henry Cejudo for the vacant title after TJ Dillashaw tested positive for EPO. And, you know, Marais did not look great in that fight. He looked kind of, you know, defeated before he even lost the fight. You know, Cejudo kind of put it on him, but... He's before that he looked like a world beater, and to see him going in there against a big name like Jose Aldo, who has looked just as crazy as Marais, younger in his career, he was the greatest featherweight of all time before Max Holloway, maybe still is, uh, given his resume. Lost to Max Holloway twice, but he still has one of the best resumes in the history of the UFC. So you can never count him out of a fight you know he has knockout power he has insane leg kicks he has submissions but Marais has all of that as well so it's a question of you know did that brutal loss to Cejudo affect Marais and how he's going to fight and his, his mental state and his approach to fighting as much as Jose Aldo's drop in weight is going to affect him and he hasn't been on a great you know, win streak lately either. So. Well, so are you implying that Marais is, like, shaken up going into this fight? Like, is he fighting injured, or is he just thinking mentally he's got to... I'm thinking mentally. Because, um, like, a lot of guys, especially when they have such hype behind them and are on, like, such a good streak, when they finally have that loss, and it's in a pretty one-sided, you know, fashion, pretty devastating fashion to Henry Cejudo, to another guy, you never know quite how they're going to look after that. Some guys come back after a loss like that and their confidence is just shaken and they look totally different. They don't, you know, they're not as aggressive, they don't move forward. It, it is, that can change a, a fighter's entire game plan, you know. But who knows? I, I have no idea what Marais is going to look like, but Jose Aldo is kind of in that same boat where he's just trying to figure it out because he can't seem to put it back together after his two losses to Max Holloway. Well, and his loss to McGregor. Moving on, we've got women's bantamweight title match. Uh, the champion, current champion Amanda Nunez is going up against Jermaine Deronda May. Uh, this should be an interesting one. Uh, of course, Amanda Nunez, uh, arguably one of the best you know, women to fight in UFC in, in its history. So uh, how do you see this one going? This is a really interesting fight. Uh, so... Um, you say arguably the best woman in UFC history. I say bar none, you know. Cyborg, second place, but Nunez beat Cyborg. Nunez has a first-round stoppage over every women's bantamweight and featherweight champion in history, which is pretty nuts. They've been around for a few years now. And knocked out Cyborg in devastating fashion in her last fight, coming back down to bantamweight to defend her title... It just looks unstoppable. I don't 
see much that's wrong with her game that somebody could exploit. You know, the, the, the biggest glaring weakness in her game, which isn't really a glaring weakness, is just, like, her wrestling. You know, if you were to get somebody who is a an insanely strong wrestler, they might be able to take Nunez down and control her on the ground, but that just doesn't happen. Her takedown defense is amazing. Her striking is great. Her uh, range control is great. She has amazing power in her hands. Nobody has power like Nunez does in women's MMA. It's astounding. And she does hold a first-round stoppage over Randomay, but Randomay is a, like, ten-time... Muay Thai champion. She beat a man in a kickboxing competition. You know, uh, she has some of the best striking accolades in MMA right now. And she, for sure, has gotten much better since that fight against Nunez years ago. And she's on a great win streak right now, has looked amazing, and she is just, like I said, a super credentialed striker. And she, for sure, has the striking game to stand with Nunez. It's just a question of what approach does Nunez take and is Ronda May able to outclass Nunez on the feet? So I'm, I take it you see Ronda May as a, an underdog in this one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd be curious to see what kind of like the odds are as far as betting on this one, but... Yeah, I wish I'd look him up at this point. But, but, like, if you had to break it down by, like, a percent chance, like, what percent chance you think we see an upset here? 30, maybe? Maybe 40? I mean, you know, if you're looking on paper and saying who certifiably has better striking, Ronda May. But Nunez has knocked out Cyborg. She knocked out Ronda Rousey. She knocked out Holly Holmes. She beat Valentina Shevchenko. That being said, Valentina Shevchenko is the best striker that Nunez has faced and is a pretty uh, an interesting style as far as it's a, a, a rangy kickboxing style, which Randa May also has. And Shevchenko is a much smaller woman, and those are the closest fights of Amanda Nunez's career, for sure. She holds two victories, but a lot of people think that Shevchenko beat Nunez. So if anybody's going to beat Nunez, it might be a super technical a kickboxer with a long range. That's exactly what Randa May is. She, I don't think she's likely to beat Nunez. She's definitely the underdog in the fight. Nunez has amazing power, has a good range, takedown defense, submissions, anything you want. She's also a bulldog, just walks forward, brutalizes people. But Randa May, if there's going to be a striking game to beat Nunez, it's what Randa May has. That brings us to our next title matchup, which is uh, the men's featherweight title. Uh, we've got the current champion, Max Holloway, going up against Alexander Volkanovsky. And, uh, I mean, we both know that Holloway is a hell of a fighter. Uh, one could even say the greatest featherweight champion in history. So, uh, I mean, is this a pretty clear-cut matchup, or do we have a potential upset in the cards here? I think think there's a potential upset, but I just cannot bring myself to doubt Max Holloway that much, you know? He didn't, he, granted, you know, he lost to Dustin Poirier, but it was up away class and all this stuff. Dustin Poirier is a giant featherweight when he was a featherweight and a huge lightweight. Holloway's a lot smaller, but nobody has come close to beating Max Holloway at featherweight in years. He has looked amazing. He beat 
Frankie Edgar, he beat Jose Aldo, he beat undefeated contender Brian Ortega, who was buzzsawing everybody in the division. Volkanovski's coming up, and he's looked amazing, holds victories over Chad Mendes and Jose Aldo. His striking game is super diverse, he mixes it up well, he throws a lot of low kicks in combination with punches and, you know, completely throws people off. His cardio is great. He changes levels pretty well. He has a good wrestling game. But Max Holloway has just looked so amazing against everybody he's fought, save Dustin Poirier lately, that it's hard to imagine anybody beating him, especially when Holloway's game is predicated on keeping people at range, peppering them with little shots, controlling how close they can get to him, controlling the range, <clears throat> and just continuously touching them. He just keeps moving forward and keeps moving forward. He out-cardios people. He out-pressures people. And he has such a size advantage over Volkanovski that it's hard to imagine him being able to close that distance and land that big shot to really throw Holloway off. That being said, if anybody was going to do it, it's Volkanovski. Like I said, his striking game is super varied. He likes to throw combinations with kicks and punches, which completely throws people off. You know, you're changing levels, trying to block a kick, trying to check a kick, and then a punch comes over the top. You never know what's going to happen with Volkanovski, and he's really, really athletic guy. He used to play professional rugby in Australia at 214 pounds. Dude fights at 145 now. <clears throat> and, like, dude, he's, like, kind of muscled up, you know? He's, like, he's not a skinny, tiny dude. He's got some, some, you know, some heft on him, and he's 145 pounds. So you have to imagine this dude 80 pounds heavier. What's that look like? That's, that's just crazy to think about. Yeah, and he's just tackling people and throwing them around on a rugby field. So he gets in here with these guys that are actually weigh 145 pounds, and he's used to tussling with guys that towered over him, you know? And so... If anyone was going to be able to close the distance on Max Holloway and push the pace and take the pressure that he has and be able to return the same amount of pressure or at least handle it in some manageable fashion and try to implement their game plan with you know varied striking, varying distance, and good level changes, then it's Volkanovski. Not to mention that he fights out of the same camp as Israel Adesanya and Dan Hooker, so you know that he's, his striking game is really good. It's high level. They, that camp does a really good job of throwing people off with a lot of feints. They, they trick people and set traps for them in the striking game more than most camps in MMA right now. And so you never know what Volkanovski is going to bring, but he is going up against the best featherweight in history, Max Holloway, who just breaks people. There's no other way to say it. That brings us to our last fight we want to talk about, which is the men's welterweight title. Uh, we got the current champion, Kamaru Usman, going up against Colby Covington. And what's interesting here is that uh, Colby Covington uh, was stripped of the interim title when, due to an injury, but since that point in time, he has not lost a fight. Um, and we know that Covington likes to trash talk, uh, which makes this all the more interesting. Uh, but, like... How do you see like the build up here and, and how the fight, uh, fight is ultimately going to play out? I think that the build up to this fight is going to have a big part in how this fight plays out. So Covington, his fighting style is 
the best cardio you've ever seen, the most pressure you've ever seen, and the highest output of strikes that you've ever seen. He holds the title for the most strikes thrown in a fight. The dude just walks out there and just keeps coming at you, and he keeps throwing punches, and he keeps throwing kicks, and he keeps level changing and trying to take you down. And once he does have you down, he keeps slapping you or hitting you. He lets you move just enough to get out of something and then change his position and regains dominant control. He, like, he just, it's nonstop work. It's pressure and it's nonstop work. It's overwhelming people. That is his entire game. And Usman is more like, he has amazing cardio, great cardio. He out-cardioed Tyron Woodley in his fight to earn the title. That's what he did. He went in there, he pressured Tyron the whole time. Tyron Woodley is, you know, one of the greatest welterweights in history. And he went out there and just out-cardioed Tyron, out-pressured Tyron, tired him out, and broke him. So, you know, he's not unprepared for what Covington has as much as anybody is unprepared, but... Covington's pressure is just so crazy. And so what he wants to do is he wants to break you. And if you are angry, if you're emotional, if you're worked up, if you really want to hurt the guy across from you, you're going to put more into your punches. You're going to be a little more aggressive than you normally would. You're going to be a little more tense than you normally would. And that eats up your energy. So for Covington, a guy who what he wants to do is out cardio you and out tire you it's way faster if you're worked up if you're freaking out you're gonna get tired way quicker right so him talking shit him wearing trump hats everywhere him going to Usman's workouts with a megaphone and screaming at him from the crowd him walking around with the belt the old UFC belt talking about how he never lost anything it's all a mind game He's just trying to mess with Usman and mess with his ability to actually control himself in the octagon. So do you see Covington <clears throat> as like this heel character that's just out to... 100%. <laughs> Dude, he, b before he became the Colby Covington that there is now, he just didn't talk shit. By all accounts, he's a great guy behind the camera. Like he's just super chill, he's super nice, whatever. He trained with Chael Sonnen. So Chael was like, the UFC is about to cut. Not Chael, Chael told him he was about to get cut, but the UFC was about to cut Covington because he was winning, but nobody gave a shit. So Covington was like, I got to do something to market myself. He created this character. He completely turned heel. Like, watch an interview with Covington in his first four UFC fights, and then watch an interview with him now. Not the same person. Completely. It's a character. He completely turned heel. It's amazing. Not that I like the character he is. I... I'm not, you know, a super conservative person. I think he's a dick. He hires strippers to hang out with him in photos and, and promo videos and stuff. I think it's ridiculous. Talks shit all the time. But it's working, you know? People want to watch him fight. People want to watch him lose, really. But, but let's, let's talk more about Usman, though, because he is the current champion, and whenever you're the current champion, you figure you're probably the favorite to win a fight, even if it's by a small margin. So what has he got going for him? I think you're right. First off, I think he is the favorite to win the fight. I look at the odds a couple of days ago, and he was. So they both kind of have a similar fighting style um, in one sense, but they take different approaches to it. Usman is a collegiate wrestling champion or All-American or whatever and has amazing power. His punches, he drops people, and his 
he just overwhelms people with the, the strength that he puts on people. He's not a guy who's going to pressure you and just keep you busy until you get tired. He's going to go in there, he's going to get a hold of you, and you're not going to be able to do anything because he's overpowering you. That's what he does. So would he, you say hardest hitter in the welterweight division? Uh, he's up there. I, I don't know if he's the hardest hitter. You know, you got your Mike Perry's and you got your Tyron Woodley and all sorts of stuff, but he's definitely up there. He just throws everything he has and every every punch. And not only that, but that's the same approach he takes to his wrestling. When he when he wrestles people, he doesn't really he doesn't spend a ton of time like advancing position and trying to trip people and trying to trick them into doing something. He just does what he's planning on doing because you can't stop him because he's stronger than you. Like he's just he just forces people to do what he wants them to do. His his striking game is, you know, he's kind of a counter striker, but he he's pretty adaptable, you know. If if somebody starts to to back out, he starts to pressure, he, he has a really well-rounded striking game, but like I said, he has a heavy power in his fist particularly, and he's really good at throwing strikes in weird moments and weird exchanges, you know, when they're when they're exchange, going from a a clinch to a to a grappling exchange or a clinch to a striking exchange, he'll throw a big shot when he's in close, when they're separating and catch people completely off guard. His timing is great. And Covington is a completely different approach. Everything Covington does is 50%. He just peppers you. Just keeps touching you. There's nothing you can do. He keeps, he keeps if, if he's not punching you, he's kicking your leg. If he's not punching you with the left hand, he's punching you with the right hand. Or he's throwing a faint, changing levels, taking you down. He'll put, throw you up against the fence, let you try to work out a little bit, slowly take your back, slowly get a hook in, then drag you to the ground. He takes His, his go-to move is to take the opponent's posting wrist, pull it under them so that they can't actually lift their weight, and then he pins their arm with their own body weight while he uses his hips to control their torso, and he just pounds people into the mat and makes them make dumb decisions. He's just so overwhelming and so intense and nonstop that people just can't take it, and they don't know what to do to get out of it. They don't have a moment to think. That's exactly what he did to Robbie Waller. One of the best strikers in the division, most power in the game, great counter-striker, when he fought Colby, he was just completely, you know, useless, essentially. Colby was just, kept him so on his back foot that he couldn't do anything. And a lot of times with, like, a TKO that we see Colby get, that's exactly what happens, is guys are just in a position and they don't know how to get out of it because they don't have any time to figure out how to get out of it. He just constantly moves and constantly changes positions. Whereas Covington, or whereas Usman... He's going to grab you, and he's going to hold you down, and he's going to move, and then he's going to punch you, and he's going to hold you there, or he's going to turn you whatever way he wants. Covington's going to let you do what you want, but he's going to have an answer for it. He lets you move around just enough to get you to keep expending energy and keep having a little bit of, you know, oh, I might be able to get out this way. He's like, nope, or this way, nope, or this way, nope, and, you know, he hits you a couple times. It's... Do you see the majority of this fight being <clears throat> more like grappling and going to the ground, or do these do you expect more of a stand-up fight? That's I, I I honestly do not know. Here's an interesting stat: Usman has never been taken down in the UFC. Covington's only been taken down once or twice, but Usman's never been taken down, and wrestling is one of Covington's 
biggest weapons, his takedown game and his ability to keep you guessing so that you don't know whether he's going to punch you or try to take you down is one of his biggest weapons. But if Usman is able to stop him from taking him down, if he can't get Usman down, that's going to change his game. So to me, it's a question of which guy imposes their will or their game plan, right? Does Colby's pressure and his unrelenting style overwhelm Usman and throw him off to the point where he's ineffective, like it has done to so many other guys? Or does Colby try to do that, get into Usman's grasp, and get overwhelmed by the power? Is, is Usman able to stop him from trying to stay loose and trying to move, you know, adapt to what Usman's doing because he's just so overwhelmingly strong? Or does he, does he catch Colby? We have no idea. If he could, he could catch Colby on the chin in the first couple of seconds, I would not be shocked. Usman can knock anybody out. He can pick you up and just hold you on the floor if he wants to. Colby might be a better wrestler, but if Usman's that much stronger, you never know. Well, we're just going to have to see what happens. Uh, certainly an interesting matchup there. We'll have to see uh, if there's a lot of takedown defense involved or if this ends up going to the ground and become more of a grapple fest. But uh, interesting fight, interesting matchups on this card. Uh, we'd like to thank you, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on our podcast. Uh, make sure to follow uh, LitTube going forward. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, check out our website and our Patreon. And stay tuned for more content. Changes the future. Revolves the future. Computer Yep. Yeah, it's not like uh, UFC DC.